I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Adam Eder to my Josh Sargent. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Ah, Justin, how the bloody hell are we doing? I'm fantastic. I am absolutely fantastic. I I could not be even better because guess what, Ryan? This is the last episode that, that goes out before the end of the international break, before the end of another pointless international break, which means... We can start to get excited for some previews. Yes, we've got a few days to go, but you know the excitement's starting to brew again for the uh, for the upcoming week of football. I was going to say we have got Thursday's episode coming out as well. But you are absolutely right. There, there's too many international breaks. I, I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's something that I seem to moan about every time we do an episode during an international mm-hmm. break. But there simply is too many. I think Wales had a friendly against Gibraltar, didn't they, a, a few days ago, and it was just completely pointless. What yeah. are Wales getting out of a friendly <laughs> against Gibraltar? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Apart from well, they played at Wrexham, which was a bit of a, a bit of a nice return back to the race course. But they went they went on a huge spell, didn't they, when they first started out, where they were getting loads of like League Two and non-League players to sign up to play for Gibraltar, which I think would be a great idea. If Danny Higginbottom cat was capped for Gibraltar. Incredibly. If you're a League Two player who's got no chance of playing international football, then you may as well sign up for Gibraltar and you end up playing games against some of the best players in the world. Yeah, I wonder what makes you qualify. Because can we technically qualify? Well, that's the thing. I don't know how it all works. I'd love to do an episode mm. on this just to actually have a deep dive into it. <laughs> but yeah, there was Higginbottom, wasn't there? I think yeah. Scott Wiseman? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he rings did, a bell. Yeah. Apart from that, it looks like they've kind of drifted away from the whole getting League Two players in kind of thing, which is a bit of a shame because uh, that always seemed like a good bit of fun. Um, speaking of a bit of fun, that's what we're doing on the podcast today. Welcome <laughs> to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, it is still very much an international break and we need to talk about something. So this is what we're talking about on Thursday. I tasked Justin with picking a team of his favourite players and manager currently in the championship. Not his team of the season so far, not a team of the best players in his view, just the players he likes the most. The twist was he could only pick one player from each team. That episode came out on Thursday. Now it's my turn. So here's my dream team of championship players. I've gone down a bit of a different route to you, Justin. My team is mainly made up of young players who I rate very highly, whereas yours was a bit of a mishmash. Bit of a mishmash. Mine's, mine's, mine was a uh, a love letter to the championship. Yours is just lone FC. That's so rude. Yeah. Well, I I'm I'm a lot more critical than you are, um, and 
I don't, I'm not going to sound harsh. I'm going to be positive in this episode. Um, but yeah, it's just low in FC. You are, you are low in FC. You are Watford from 2013. Yeah, I'll take it. It's, <laughs> I'd rather have a team full of lone players than picking Tom Ince in my have dream 11. Um, with that being said, let's go on to my first player, which is, of course, the goalkeeper. I've gone with Carl Rushworth, who is currently playing for Swansea City. Uh, it's only been a small sample size which we've seen of him in the championship so far but I've got to say I've been very impressed goalkeeper was a, a big problem position for Swansea last season once they had both Stephen Bender and Andrew Fisher none of whom looked particularly convincing and now they've got in this 22 year old lad who has been great he's a real safe pair of hands so far and made some really important saves his underlying data for shot stopping is amongst the best in the division he's also good with his feet which is a big factor for me Another thing I like with Rushworth is he's really worked his way up through the divisions. Four seasons ago, he was playing in the seventh tier with Woking. Then he was in League Two with Walsall. Then League One with Lincoln last season. And now he's in the championship with Swansea. And of course, he's from Brighton as well. I find any player from Brighton to be very likeable because they're Mm -hmm. an excellently run club and just a very likeable club, aren't they? So when you've got someone coming in from there, it's always a good start. And... I just think he's a young goalkeeper with a very bright future, possibly even a future England keeper. Justin, I won't rule it out because 22 years old, playing regularly in the championship is very impressive. I can't disagree with any of that. Rushworth is a stopper I rate very, very highly. If you look at Jordan Pigford's career path, actually, I don't think Rushworth's had as many loan spells out yet. Um, but Pickford followed a similar path. There was loan spells at Darlington, Preston, um, obviously got a chance at Sunderland, um, and there was um, you know quite a few more. There's one at Burton as well. There's quite a few more loan spells here and there. But you know, getting goalkeepers out um, uh, to clubs and getting them in-game experience in any division, I think, is incredibly valuable for them. Um, and Russia is showing at Swansea how how important he has been to the team so far. He's got the fourth highest save percentage in the league, which is always a good variable to to uh, assess a goalkeeper on in terms of um, how well they're doing and how many shots they're keeping out. He's faced quite a few as well, and he was very important um, in that first five or six games, or he really shone in those first five or six games when Michael Duff was struggling to get the formula right with Swansea City. And um, yeah, he's, he's really, really showing his quality, ability and, and potential. Yeah, definitely. I, I was... Between him and going down a completely different route with my favourite goalkeeper, I was going to pick Gwartosh Bielkowski for oh, Millwall. Mainly because, him. yeah, because I think Bart, as he's a popularly known by supporters of clubs he's played for, is, I think, one of the most underrated goalkeepers this division has ever seen mm. because for so long he was such a good shot stopper. He's getting on a bit now. And he's also not the best with his feet, as we were referring to in Thursday's episode. <laughs> but as far as shot stopping goes, I'm not sure there's been many better goalkeepers than him over a consistent period yeah. of time. But I went with a Carl Rushworth and I'm not going to you know, disagree with myself on that. Let's go to right back where I've gone with Cody Drame, currently of Birmingham City. I really rate Cody Drame. I think really he should be starting each week for Leeds. I'm I'm not sure if that's Leeds' fault or whether he said he wanted to leave. But you look at it now and Leeds have got the likes of Archie Gray and Jamie Shackleton filling in at right back when Luke Ayling's not there. If they committed to Drame, then he would have been brilliant for them. Whatever the case, Birmingham have got a very talented player for the season. 
He was great at Cardiff a couple of seasons ago, probably the best right back in the division in the second half of last season with Luton. So much so that Luton tried to sign him in the Premier League over the summer, didn't they? Um, he's had two very promising championship seasons. He's still only 21, which is quite impressive to have two seasons under his belt already. He's got the third highest expected assists per 90 for Birmingham, but he's also the only player in the division to have been successful with every tackle he's made this season. He's not been dribbled past yet. Brilliant brilliant defensively and going forwards. I just think he's a very exciting player. I also think his name sounds best when it's said by Daniel Mann, the Sky commentator. Just sounds good. Drame! You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, okay, that's... um... Something I never considered, but if that's a, a big variable as to why you've got him in this division, then I, I think I can take that because I think the way a name sounds from a commentator is really important because sometimes it can land flat. So it, I, it's I, just I you know when a when a when a team is just starting a promising attack and Daniel Mann goes up another level, another level, and he goes, ball gets played out to the right hand side to Drame. It's a and bit then, like yeah, it's I, I like, sound I mean, a bit partridge when I say it like that, but you know, <laughs> it's a bit like. Um, it takes me back a few years choosing your uh, player on pro clubs and you're going through all the commentary names mm. so obviously you, you'll pick a commentary name for your for your pro club player uh, on FIFA back in the day yeah it's a bit like that and you know it has the same ring to it but I do I do I do see where you're coming from but yeah he's, he's impressed me drama he's, he's um, he was very good at Cardiff played a significant role under Steve Morrison in getting them comfortably out of relegation trouble in that second half of the season and he's got real athleticism, which I think is, is hugely important in a wing back. And he's and he showed that his ability to drive forwards and time his runs well has been really important. And obviously this is his third loan spell in three seasons now um, at Birmingham. I think he's out of contract at the end of the season or Birmingham might have an option. Either way, I can't see him being at Leeds as a full-time player next season, whether he's at Birmingham or another club, because um, he's probably at he probably needs to, to leave to really really fulfil his potential elsewhere but um, yeah he's got real drive real energy and he's showing you know his ability to read the game in, in terms of um, coming up against opposition players so yeah he's a player that I'm really looking forward to seeing develop hopefully at a permanent club whoever it may be come the end of the season My centre-back is not going to be a surprise to anyone I don't think who's listened to the podcast for a while it's Taylor Harwood Bellis who's on loan at Southampton uh Taylor Harwood-Bellis is a Rolls-Royce defender, but Justin doesn't like me calling him that, so we'll go with a Mercedes defender instead. Uh, Harwood-Bellis has had a brilliant year and a bit, despite only being 21. He was one of the best centre-backs in the division last season while getting promoted with Burnley. He also, of course, then captained England under-21s when they won the Euros in the summer. He is a brilliant defender who really should be in the Premier League this season, and it baffles me that no one took a chance on him but the reason I like Taylor Harwood-Bellis so much is because he's the most unstereotypical English centre-back of all. He's so good with the ball at his feet, very much in the mould of John Stones as a centre-back, isn't he? And probably could play midfield if a manager wanted him to. But I think he's best at centre-half. Ultimately, he's part of a new breed of centre-halves coming through who are excellent with the ball at his feet. And that's really exciting that's why he fits perfectly into a Russell Martin system at Southampton. And they have been slowly getting more solid at the back since he's come into the team. I've backed THB to be a future England defender. And I'm still standing by that. I think that Southampton have got an obligation to buy if they get promoted. I think he'll be a bargain for whoever he's playing at next season on a permanent basis. 
Do you think he will go on to play for England? Because obviously no one took a chance on him in the Premier League. So I'm I'm maybe not raising my eyebrows, but just a little bit concerned. Or do you think certain teams that would have gone for him are maybe priced out of a move and he's had to drop down to get game time? I think he still will. I think the main reason I think he still will is because of England's obvious weakness at centre-half. There aren't a huge amount of, you know, great centre-halves at England right now. It's a massive problem position for them. Um, I think, I'm not really sure why no one took a chance on him in the summer in the Premier League. It might possibly be down to them possibly thinking he's a bit lightweight as a centre-half. That's the only thing I can maybe think of when it comes to him. But in terms of intelligence, just reading the game and obviously ability with the ball at his feet, I think he's just a top-class defender for someone who's so young. Yeah, I, I do rate him very highly. I do rate him very highly. Maybe not as highly as you, but I think the thing that grows a little bit of scepticism in my in my head about him is maybe he's, yeah, he's had an incredible season with, with Burnley in the Championship last season and had a very good summer with England in the 21s, um, winning the Euros with them. And no one, no one took a chance on him um, higher up uh, well, in the Premier League or, or a top flight elsewhere. I think he should be playing in a top division somewhere, not back in the Championship, just to really, really push that development because... Yeah, it's just um, yeah, it just raises raises my eyebrows a little bit, or, or you know, I'm scowling a little bit with a bit of thought uh, around him. He's got, he's in a great place to develop though, isn't he? Playing in a Russell Martin system because Russell Martin's got a good record for developing young players, and is playing the kind of brand of football which is specifically suited to a player like Taylor Harwood Bellis. So he's in a good place. My other centre back is Ben Wilmot. I continue to regard Ben Wilmot as one of the most underrated players in the championship. This is a drum I will continue to bang because it doesn't get banged enough. I think he's absolutely mint. He's great defensively, reading the game. He's quick, brave. His passing and carrying the ball forwards is amazing. I thought one weakness for him was his ability in the air, but he's actually amongst the best in the division this season for headers one. So, Maybe that's not as much of a problem as I thought it was. He's very consistent and well as well. And he's still only 23. I forget he's still <laughs> that young, particularly for a centre-half. That's impressive, but he just feels like he's been around for quite a while now. So mm. the fact he's still 23 is quite surprising. If I was a top championship side, I'd be getting my checkbook out for him. I think whichever way you want to play, he has so much to offer and so much uh, potential in terms of... Uh, growing room and what he could potentially go for in the future. Unfortunately, he's going to be out for the rest of the year through injury, which is a huge blow for Stoke. But when he's fit, he is some player for me. Yeah, I think it's taken his move to Stoke to really, really get him out of his shell in a, in a way, or at least shine a light on him and, and allow him to to really thrive. Uh, I think the the managers maybe they've had over the well, Michael O'Neill and Alex Neil maybe aren't the best managers to really get the best out of someone like Ben Wilmot um, but I think having Ben Wilmot as a, as a, as a defender in your squad uh, at Stoke he offers that composure he offers that ability to be comfortable coming out from the back and I wouldn't say he's a goal scoring defender but he's got the ability to to hit one as we saw uh, a couple of times last season as well so yeah there are a lot of um, there are a lot of fragments to his game that are, that are, that have been pieced together by his move to Stoke and we have seen him grow to be one of the most consistent defenders I just think because Stoke have been so inconsistent um it's maybe 
overshadowed his ability as a player and maybe you know, not a frown upon um, the defenders at Stoke because of how inconsistent they are but you just don't rate them as highly as, as other defenders who are doing better in the league for better teams so yeah you're quite right that Ben Wilmot is, is underrated um, I think criminally underrated actually and I think we should do a lot more to bang that drum to, to yeah give him, give him some noise basically I've been doing it plenty, Justin. I don't know about you. Um, the, 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 it is an interesting point that you make there. I think if you're a top side in the championship and you're looking at potential defenders to sign and you're having to fork out, I don't know, 10 million or something like that on a player, are you really going to spend that much money on someone who is playing in a side that's been struggling for mm-hmm. the last couple of seasons that he's been playing in? I think in terms of what he does, he's a class defender, but I'd maybe be a bit more sceptical if he's in a team that's struggling. So that's the one thing I'd say. But look, I think he's class. My left back in my Dream eleven is Jacob Greaves. I may have cheated a bit here with Jacob Greaves at left back. He's played loads of games there for Hull, so I'm not bending the rules particularly. But I will admit, I much prefer Jacob Greaves as a centre-back, mainly because he's a brilliant defender. And I think that's where a team like Hull gets the most out of him, but I wanted to wedge him into my team somehow. So here we are. He is just a quality defender. He's been ever present for Hull as well. Only missed three league games since the start of last season. He is just a beast at the back. Good with the ball at his feet as well, which is a common theme with my defenders um, in this team. Only 23 as well. I, I just like him because I think he's an exciting prospect and has been showing a lot of consistency, which you which would not associate necessarily with a lad in his early 20s. And that's very promising. He was getting linked with Roma in the summer as well. So he's clearly catching a couple of eyes from across uh, Europe. Um, and I think at some point he will be at a top club. I'm sure Hall will be hoping that. He's playing with them in the Premier League at some point. But if they don't get there sooner rather than later, then they may have to accept that he's, you know, on to pastures new at some point. If an Italian team is looking at your defenders or at least scouting your defender, then you are then you've got a good defender on your hands because Italians just breed defenders. They they come out of their mother's wombs as defenders, don't they? It's as simple as that, Italians, that is. Uh, it's but a bit, Jacob, bit graphic, but I get yeah, the point. Yeah, a little bit. You get the point. Um, apologies for that one, but yeah, it's a good, yeah, I see where I was going with it. But yeah, Greaves, Jacob Greaves is a player who, um, I, 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 again, maybe a bit like Ben Wilmot, you've gone for a um, maybe an underrated selection of players here. That's what I, Justin, that's what I like doing. I like showing my scouting prowess and picking yeah. out players who I think have loads of potential um, and also uh, are somewhat underrated when it comes to, you know, looking at the championship from a neutral perspective. Oh, yeah, you've done an incredible job picking three, uh, three lone players. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jacob Greaves, very composed. I think that's a key thing here. Weird transfer saga last season with Chris Wilder and Middlesbrough, but he's then signed a new deal with Hull, which I think is a, is a big thing, and I think he's he's definitely going to cost the team a lot of money should they should they choose to buy him. Um, and Hull's, Hull's track record of bringing young players through has been quite exceptional over the last sort of five, six, seven years, and I think that's been overshadowed a little bit as well. Um, but Jacob Greaves, yeah, cheating a little bit as you say, but he has played some games at uh, left back. But it does help to have someone who's who's got that ability to play there he's not going to dribble forwards but at least you've got that an outlet on the left flank to to pass it out from the back because again that's a, that's the key thing here he's, he's 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 quite a tall guy looks a bit clumsy a little bit da- little, not like not as big as dan burn but 
you know has that clumsy aura about him but he's so composed and 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 easy to you know he reads the game incredibly well so yeah Greaves um a big big fan of his but again uh, it's probably a player I've not rated highly enough over the last two years Justin let's take a quick break after that we'll go into the midfielders in my dream 11 One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm going through my dream 11 of current championship players who I just really, really like. We've done the defenders and the goalkeeper, so let's go into midfield. And my first midfielder is another one who I harp on about quite a lot. It's Ben Sheaf of Coventry City. This selection won't be a surprise to many long-term listeners because I just rate him extremely highly. Ben Sheaf is one of the best midfielders in the division for me. I think he's absolutely class. He really does everything you want as a defensive midfielder. Uh, Wins the ball back. He was one of the top players in the division last season for tackles and interceptions per 90. But when he gets the ball, he's not one of those whose first thought is to pass it to someone who's a bit more creative. He is that guy who can play that pass and he's not afraid to carry the ball himself, play it forwards. He's your modern day ball winning midfielder who can just do a bit of everything and I'm surprised really that there hasn't been more interest in him from the Premier League because I think he just has so much to offer at that level and he's a great example of what the modern Coventry City are all about sign someone cheap I think he only cost a million and Mm. then developing him into a top player he's such an important player for Coventry and they need him back from injury ASAP and Justin of course you're a big fan as well because you picked him in your dream eleven. Yeah, I'm not going to copy and paste what I said, so I'm going to ask a question. Um, do you think Coventry will fetch a, a similar fee to him for him as they did with Gus Hamer and, and Victor Gilchrist? Because I, I value him very, very highly and, and that sort of midfielder. I think they're very hard to get hold of. Not like Gus Hamer because he was a special, special case. He could do everything. But Ben Chief, I think he, he could fetch a very, very high fee. I think if I was a Premier League club, I definitely would. But I don't think um, clubs will necessarily do that I think they may turn their nose up a bit at the championship and look to Europe or overseas somewhere and rather sign a player from there and um, I think Ben Chief is just class I think if Coventry do get to the Premier League which I, th- I, I do think they will do in the next couple of years for me personally mm. just because I think they're on that kind of trajectory and um, then I think Ben Chief will just 
show everyone there what he's capable of. And yeah. you never know, might not be too far away from the England setup because there's been a lot of talk recently about having how Calvin Phillips keeps getting in the team, but the reason he does that is because he's the only player who kind of offers what he does. You yeah. see what I mean? Yeah. Ben Sheaf also offers what he does. And mm. if he does play in the Premier League, wouldn't it surprise me, Justin? Well, look, Gareth Southgate has his favourite stunty, I suppose. Um, let's go to my other midfielder. This is another lad I was I would not be too surprised to see in the England setup at some point. It's Hayden Hackney of Middlesbrough. It's the Middlesbrough midfielder who is wonderful to watch and has equally wonderful hair. I'm a big Hayden Hackney fan, which is a pretty obvious statement to make because he's in this team. He's a player for the football purist, isn't he? Just so composed with the ball, brilliant at retaining possession, playing progressive passes. He's only turned 21 and to be such an intelligent player at his age, I think is really impressive. He was magnificent last season, despite being so young. Only missed one league game since Michael Carrick has come in, by the way, which is pretty mad Mm. for someone, as I say, so young. Um, I'm also glad he's chosen to play for England because Scotland were very keen to nail him down. And when I heard news, that news, I was like, get off, get your dirty hands off him. Um, Because (laughs) I, I just, I just didn't want to I, I thought it would be a massive waste if he played for Scotland because uh, I think he's a top talent who's destined to be playing at a very high level at some point what do you think Justin? Yeah yeah fuck off Scotland um, he's ours yeah he's training with England under 21s this week as well which is it, which is a, a key indicator of how highly rated he is because I think there's a bit more of a a bit more of a, a gateway into the England setup when you've been training with the under 12 oh, sorry playing goal caught up for the under 21 so that's um, that's a, a testament to his uh, well true not transition but development over the last 12 months because this time last year he was still relatively fresh into the into the side wasn't he um, and this is coming back from a, coming off the back of a loan spell was it at uh, Wimbledon um, or it was a league two loan spell or a non-league loan spell um, I can't remember where it was now, but he was—he wasn't—he um, wasn't in the in the setup at Borough. But I think it's a key thing that he's well that's impressed me is the fact that he's been trusted and trusted with being the mainstay in midfield for Michael Carrick, and his rewards are now international recognition, which is a yeah a big thing for for a player. And yeah, again, another another product of Middlesbrough's academy, which yeah they deserve a lot of credit for. Yeah, and I don't think he really played that much for Middlesbrough prior to Michael Carrick coming in I think he may have played a few games under Chris Wilder actually but prior to that he just has come into the team and not left it it's quite remarkable really uh, the team you were looking for they played for on loan Scunthorpe United there you, so go. there you go if anyone was wondering my right winger in my uh, Dream 11 I, I will say my Dream 11 the formations 4-2-3-1 if anyone was wondering uh, my right winger in this uh, team is Morgan Whitaker. it's the second player who features in both of our Dream 11s, Justin. Uh, we did speak about him at length in your 11 on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we won't spend too much time talking about him, but he's such an exciting talent. And for me, is the face of this Plymouth side, which I find really likeable in itself, because Plymouth are a football club which operate on a shoestring budget in championship terms, but are exceptionally well run. The recruitment is brilliant, and arguably the best example of that is Morgan Whitaker. And he's got a lovely smile as well. And that goes a long way with me. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything that I've already said a bit like Ben Sheaf. Um, I'm going to say that he's flying the flag for us being poles. 
uh, as well because he's so elegant and effortless on the ball that if I ever tried to do that, I would just look like a baby horse who's just been birthed. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't do what he can do, but the fact that he's so tall. Pole? I would say that I'm long and thin and six oh, yeah. foot. Yeah, six foot heading into the six foot one category. So I think that that hits the 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 um, criteria for being a beanpole. Maybe not as much of a beanpole. Maybe I'm early on beanpole. I'm at the very foundation of a beanpole before it gets you know, to be massive. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. Because you're sure you wouldn't know. I am doing. I'm trying to. You, you interrupted me by bringing me into this, Ryan. I'm just trying to say that. The fact that he's so he's so tall and, and, and elegant with the ball at his feet, I think, is um, a very difficult thing to do. I can't believe you're classing yourself as a beanpole. <laughs> a massive exaggeration. Shut up, short stuff. Come on. Uh, my number 10 in my Dream 11 is Joel Pirro of Leeds United. Pirro is just a bagsman. He scored 46 goals since the start of the 2021 true season um, I believe that is the most in the championship in that time and he's just a natural finisher in his first season at Swansea he scored 22 goals from an XG of 12.1 which is insane being that clinical over a season it's evened out more last season but I fancy him just go an absolute shed load this mm-hmm. season at Leeds his teammate Jaden Anthony has come up for a nickname Justin have you seen this? No I haven't Goal Pirro well, that's simple. actually pretty obvious. <laughs> it's simple but clever. I can't believe it's taken us this long to think of it ourselves. But he's just a brilliant forward, isn't he? I know some Leeds fans have complained about him playing a bit deeper in this number 10 role. I think his best position is whichever one sees him get the most chances because the more service he gets, the more goals he's going to sort, uh, going to score. Uh, I'm a big goal Piro fan. I find Leeds to be a bit of a likeable side right now, which is possibly a bit of a controversial statement for anyone outside of Leeds. Um, so it was a bit difficult singling out a player from this Leeds team. I was thinking perhaps Archie Gray, but I've seen more of Joel Pirro. So I'll go with the deadly Dutchman as my number 10 in this 11, I think. As far as strikers go, he is one of the best in the division. Mm. Yeah. I when he, In his first season at Swansea, I described him as a poacher. And I think it was my... Um, definition of poacher that was probably a bit skewed it's the fact that he finds space wherever he is and he was so clinical it doesn't matter whether he was on the corner of the 18 yard box in the six yard box or just outside of the 18 yard box he he found space had a shot and scored it was incredible it was incredible but I think that that complaint from Leeds fans about him playing deep don't complain about it because he needs the freedom to find the space to find the ball or the ball finds him because it's this weird magnetic telepathy between him and the ball. He just knows where it's going to go or the ball knows where he is. It's a relationship that I don't think any other footballer has in this division and that's proved by his goals over the last 24 months. He's an incredible finisher, vastly underperformed in the first half of last season. Um, with his chances but picked up again in the second half of the, um, uh, of the season and he's got five and eight this season he's clinical that's all That's all you need to describe him he's clinical he's clinical at finding space he's clinical at finishing and that's all you need in a forward yeah in the number 10 debate which I think has been quite interesting with Leeds fans I think what I'd say is you've got this great partnership that's building between him and Jorginho Ruta where Ruta is playing as the furthest forward player and then Piro just behind him you know, Ruta's the one who is stretching defences, running at them and making things happen. And Pirro is the one who can then make the most of that space by ghosting into the box and then uh, having the ball 
found by mm. the likes of James Ruta, uh, Somerville, whoever is playing around him, really. And that's why I think he excels so well in that role. And that's why I'm fully on board with what Daniel Farker's trying to do there. Also, he's a good passer of the ball as well. I don't think yeah. that's something that uh, he gets enough credit for because um, he's not just a goal scorer. He's someone who can link up play as well. And I think he's just, I think that is the perfect role for him. I've got faith in what uh, Daniel Farker's doing in that circumstance. Uh, my left winger in my Dream 11 is Jack Clark. Someone we've spoken about quite a lot recently, but I'm just becoming more and more of a fan of him. I'm going to admit something right now to the group. I was a Jack Clark sceptic. <laughs> when he came through at Leeds, I remember watching him thinking, there's a lot of hype around this guy. And I get he's a young lad, but he's not really actually done that much. And then obviously he got that big move to Spurs, which didn't work out, followed by loan spells to QPR and Stoke, where he did very little. And then suddenly he's gone to Sunderland. And ever since then, I've no longer been a sceptic. His mm. rise has been absolutely mind-blowing. He's getting better and better at a frighteningly quick rate. He's gone from a pretty unremarkable League One standard winger to arguably the best player in the championship over in just over a year. Yeah. And it's quite staggering, actually. And that's what I love about the guy. Just not just how he's had these setbacks early on in his career and he's not let it phase him. And now he's playing tremendously with a huge smile on his face. Last season, he was actually playing at wing back and was just a chance creating machine. This season, he's moved further forward and has become a goal scoring machine. Also, something that maybe doesn't get noticed enough is his availability, which is really impressive. Since the start of last season, he's missed one league game. How many outfielders can say that, especially ones who get kicked as much as Jack Clark does? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just a really likable player playing in a really likable Sunderland team. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. Uh, I think the only reason why I didn't put him in my team is because of my sheer love and adoration for Tom Ince. Just pipped him. Um, uh, he's an exceptional talent. And I, I completely agree with you that I was also a sceptic. I'd be lying if I said I thought he'd reached this level as well because even in his loan spell in League One with Sunderland, he was okay. He wasn't spectacular. Mm. But last season, he, he took it. He took his game to a new level, as you pointed out. He's, he was playing wing-back. He was playing... Um, you know, on the left wing, he was uh, he was being put in positions where he had to fill in under under Tony Mowbray, um, but he still performed to a very very high level, um, and that's a testament to his just his ability and his drive and his and his want to to keep doing what he's very good at, which is getting getting balls into the box, um, cutting on his right foot. The, the man's like Thanos; he's inevitable, isn't he? He's the Iron Robin of the championship um, that accolade is on its way because his ability to just cut inside and shoot and score is, is there an incredible footballer and as you say playing with a smile on his face and a very very likeable Sunderland team a bit more two-footed than uh, Iron Robin was I will point that yeah. out um, I mean Iron Robin was quite a good player so I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a dig that you've had it in there um, my striker in my Dream 11 the final player actually is Jamie Vardy and the reason I've gone with Jamie Vardy is because he is just a legend of the game in so many ways. It's difficult for me to have a genuine affection for a footballer now that I'm a commentator on the game, especially when the player doesn't play for the team I support. But I love Jamie Vardy, mainly because he is one of the biggest <coughs> shithouses of all time. He is such a Premier League legend who's accomplished so much in the game 
yet he still loves scoring against someone like Bristol City running the length of the pitch to the opposition fans and celebrating right in their faces. He's living out my dream. There's nothing I would love to do more in football than run up to thousands of people and just gloat. You know, people talk about wanting to score a last minute winner in an FA Cup final or something like that. I don't want to do that. I just want to run up to fans, one hand cupping the ear and then shutting them with the other hand. That's all I want to do. Um, and I mean, there's a compilation of you on YouTube of Jamie Vardy celebrations, which I could honestly watch all day because it's just phenomenal. Even now, I think people are underestimating how good a player he actually is, though. Yes, he doesn't have the pace he once had, but he's still got the movement and goal-scoring instincts. And I think a great example of that was his goal against Blackburn from a, a few weeks ago, which was just a masterclass in being a forward. People massively underrate his finishing and movement off the ball, just being in the place, right place at the right time, because it's so hard to do, but he, he's got that. He still has so much to offer, and we've started to see that quite recently with Leicester this season. He is a goat. Got two things to bring up there. You've just outed yourself as an incredibly bitter, bitter man with the with the have, whole Have I outed cupping. myself, Justin? I think mm. I think that's been pretty obvious now for weeks. What's your next what's your other question? Probably longer than that. Um yeah the next one is a, a bit of a conspiracy theory around Jamie Vardy. I don't think he would be half the player he is if he wasn't as much of a shit house. I think he thrives on opposition supporters giving him stick. Mm. Kind of like a he he he's like Popeye with spinach. Is that what you're saying? I, I guess, yeah. Um, he, Popeye's a there, weird reference, but and then he he, he starts calling his wife a grass, and then suddenly he's powered up. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly the the noise Jamie Vardy makes as soon as fans start chanting. <laughs> you think I'm a grass, eh? <laughs> Boom, goal. <laughs> yeah. Cup of the year. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? No, that's it. That's it, yeah. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Um, and my manager, I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anyone. I think it was the safest bet of the two episodes that we've done here, wasn't it? Me picking Kieran McKenna here. It'd be wrong if I picked anyone else, wouldn't it? Um, of course, manager of Ipswich. The job he's done since the start of last season has been mind-blowingly brilliant only two teams in the championship uh, history have had a better start to the season than Ipswich and this is a newly promoted side we're talking about they've not spent bag loads of money to get into the position they're in the squad is actually relatively average if we're being very honest about it isn't it Justin but Kieran McKenna gets each player playing at their absolute best Massimo Luongo is a perfect example of that he was released by Middlesbrough last January having not made an appearance for them on a three-month contract this season, he's been one of the standout midfielders in the division so far. And the same goes for plenty of other players in this in this squad. Each player has taken their game to another level under Kieran McKenna. He plays some beautiful football. They press excellently, but he mixes it up depending on who they're playing. If Ipswich didn't have him in charge, I don't know where they'd be, but it's safe to say they wouldn't be near the top six. I think uh, I'm not being too controversial when I say that. Maybe even lower in the table. Um He's just a world-class coach. He's proven to be an excellent manager. He will become a truly elite manager. I'm very confident about that. Are you fanboying or are you, or is it an unhealthy obsession? It comes across a bit like Jed the Stalker from Alan Partridge. Um, uh, it's a mix of both at this point, yeah, I'd yeah. say. 
I mean, the, the tattoo on your chest and the shrine you have mm. behind your uh, camera now is is yeah is all is all there. Um, so I think people do have some substance to to give you stick. But no, look, that, that's you, completely fine, Justin. Yeah. What happens is, as I was saying a minute ago, with how Massimo Luongo is just a much better player than he is. Every day, I worship at my Kieran McKenna. Um, kind of thing behind me and then it makes me feel like I'm going to be a better person for the day as well yeah well I, I, God forbid he ever leaves a championship I don't know what you're going to do if you can't talk about him every week but I do agree with you not to, not to the same unhealthy extent that you that you clearly love him um, mm. and need him in your life but I do rate him very highly as a manager and he's fully deserving of, a, of the praise that he, that he gets on a weekly basis do you think he'll be a truly elite manager at some point I don't want to throw that out there because he's still very early on in his career. Oh come on, Justin! But he's on come a very, but he's on a very good trajectory. Just because you, we don't see it very often, we just don't see it very often. A player, a manager, go to to League One, go to a champ, championship, and then into the Premier League, and then all of a sudden he's thrust into this elite level, or he becomes elite. I, I, I can't recall many examples of that happening. Brendan Rodgers did it at Swansea, then went to Liverpool. And then he never really became elite. He just went to Celtic and was very good in a one-team league and then did pretty well at Leicester before it, you know, wheels came off a little bit. So He, he did more than pretty well at Leicester. <laughs> I, th- I think I think you can justify Bread and Rodgers is probably the only case of a manager starting off in the Championship and then or in the Football League, whatever, um, and then going on to becoming an elite manager. I think Brendan Rodgers fits that bill, but I think Kieran McKenna can go even further than that because yeah. I, just, I just think he's... He's got so much potential for someone so young. Let's see if he gets promoted. I think we're 11 games into the championship. Let's see if he gets promoted. Then, it then we even can matter. start to no, it, just it doesn't even matter if he gets promoted. I think I think he's just on that right path. He's got he's got a club with a high budget promoted from League One. Congratulations. Now go and do it again. Go and do it at the lower they budget. Are lit- they have literally had the third best start in championship history for a budget which isn't as big... There's plenty of other sides in the division. It's very average at this level. And he's the youngest coach in the division. We're 11 games into the championship. He's had a very good start in the league, riding a very good crest of a wave from last season. Um, and, he's, and his team, there are, there are problems that he's working out. And I think he's an incredibly gifted guy. And I think he will work them out. But I've not seen it yet. I need to see more. That's what I'm saying. If you had to predict one manager right now in the championship who would... Let's say managing the Champions League one day. If you had to guess a manager, assuming there is one, who would you say? Gareth Ainsworth. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something. <laughs> would you say Kieran McKenna? I would say Kieran McKenna's got the most likely chance to do it. He was linked with Spurs, wasn't he, um, in the summer? But Spurs make incredibly daft decisions, and that would have been daft. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out Michael Carrick either, because again, he's showing a lot of qualities as a coach we'll move on now it's time for this hi Simon Grayson Edge. yes it's time for Simon Grayson's hateful eight so I'm going to ask Justin to name eight of a certain subject all he's got to do is name all eight so for example if I would say name Steve Bruce's last eight clubs he would say Villa that's one down and Newcastle that's another down but if Justin were to then say Weymouth he would be losing a life so all he needs to do is give me all eight answers without losing all his lives you've got three lives on this one justin because it is a bit tricky it's all about a spaniard 
of course, we've had numerous great Spaniards compete in the championship <laughs> over the years. But can you name for me the eight Spaniards who have had the most appearances in the championship since its inception in 2004? Ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. Good um, question, isn't it? That's a great question. That's a great question. Because there's been so many, though, it's, a, it's incredibly littered with average players who probably played a lot of games that he's just going to completely forget about. Oh, the first one I'm going to throw in is Pablo Cunago. That is an unbelievable shout, and it's absolutely correct. 163 appearances, most notably for Ipswich. He is fourth on this list. Ooh. Mm. That's, that's a tricky one. Uh, I'll go Pablo Hernandez next. Pablo Hernandez is also correct. 151 appearances, all of which were for Leeds. He is sixth on this list. That's two down. I feel like there was a uh, Bruno. Mm. I feel like there's a Bruno. I don't know why you pull in that face, Justin. It's definitely correct. 186 appearances, all of them for Brighton. What a player as well. He is third on this list. Three down. Now, Inigo Calderon is, he was at Brighton for a while. Um, but I'm just not sure, but I'll throw him in. Inigo Calderon is an unbelievable shout, but he's not on the list. Unfortunately, he's six appearances off <sighs> being in the top eight. So that's an unlucky one for you, Justin. That's one life down. You've got two lives left, five players remaining. <laughs> this is, I can't remember many goal scorers being Spanish in the championship. I'll give um, you a clue. None of them are strikers. Yeah, I thought so. Apart from Pablo Cunhago. Yeah. Um, I mean, none of the remaining ones. I can't even think of any goalkeepers who are Spanish. That's bad. Um, I will Daniel Ayala. Daniel Ayala is absolutely correct. He's top of this list. 272, the most appearances at championship level uh, for various different clubs as well. That means you're halfway there, Justin. Two lives remaining. Halfway there. I'm trying to think of managers who liked a bit of the uh, Spanish Spanish flair coming into their teams. Um, but I can't, so I'm going to go uh, Inigo Idiakas, my my boy. Oh, what a player. Not on the list, unfortunately. Mm. 128 appearances, which means he is 13 appearances off. From being on this list and um, so that's another life down justin you've got one life remaining and you've got four players to go oh, sergey canos is a shout that i want to throw in but i, I know he had a, a long-term knee injury um which takes the season away from him oh, that's yeah i'm just going to throw in sergey canos Sergi Canos is surprisingly second in this list. What he wants? Yeah. When I saw that, it blew my mind. 192 appearances playing for Norwich and more notably Brentford. I'm not sure how he's second on this list. No. It's, it's kind of blown my tits off a bit, to be honest. Um, but he is here and you've got three remaining, Justin. You're looking for fifth, seventh and eighth. Fifth, seventh and eighth. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of uh, trying to think of defenders, maybe a midfielder. Um, but I feel like I've tapped out now. Uh, all my all my Spanish knowledge has just dropped off a cliff because mm. um, of Simon Grayson hanging around me and lurking, staring into my soul. Um, 
You tapping out? Uh, I, I want to. I always want to throw a name in there, even if it's wrong. Go on. Um, but I can't. Manel. Manel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Manel is surprisingly not on there. Um, the players you were looking for. Um, this one is quite a big one. Justin Angel Rangel. I knew there was a full back I was missing. Yeah. 157 appearances oh. he made. Um, the other two were fairly difficult, to be fair, although still quite big names. Number seven was Yotta, formerly of Birmingham City and Brentford. Such a highly rated player. I can't recall anything he did. He was very silky. I, I, I did rate Yotta. Great bit. Incredible bit. Um, the other player you're looking for, currently at Arsenal, David Rea. One hundred and forty-one appearances he made for Brentford and Blackburn. I think Justin has summed up how he's feeling with that, with that big old mm. side. But there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's been Simon Grayson's hateful eight, and this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Um, this has been my dream eleven, made up of my favourite players currently in the Championship and a manager as well, which was no surprise to absolutely anyone. We'll be back again on Thursday to preview all the games coming up in the Championship next weekend. So we bloody look forward to seeing you then. As always, if you could give us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you are listening to us on, that helps us grow massively as a podcast. It only takes a minute of your time and we will bloody appreciate it so much if you would take the time to do that so thank you this has been the second tip podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach and a big thank you for listening The Second Tier Podcast this has been my I said that was silly didn't I this has been (laughs) Podcast Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.